Hello, everyone. It's May 8th. Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. In this podcast, we read through the Bible progressively with daily portions from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and daily stops to hear the heart cries from the book of Psalms and receive a wisdom nugget from the treasure chest of the book of Proverbs. Yesterday, we read of a remarkable mother named Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. And at the end of our reading, she had just delivered Samuel to be consecrated in the service of the Lord. Hannah honored her vow to the Lord, for he had answered her prayer. We can thank God for the prayers of mothers like Hannah. Samuel became an apprentice priest under the supervision of Eli. Eli, however, was not the best supervisor, especially in his own household, which we will read about today. So let's pick up where we left off with our first reading today in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning with verse 22, and we will read through to the end of chapter 4. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father, when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling, and honor your sons above me? by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out to grieve his heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this, that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you, Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. And every one who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and shall say, Please put me in one of the priest's places that I may eat a morsel of bread. Chapter 3 The Lord Calls Samuel 
Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Chapter 4 And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about four thousand men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. As soon as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout, so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, 
What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, A God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter, for thirty thousand foot soldiers of Israel fell. And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day, with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. When he arrived, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, What is this uproar? Then the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety-eight years old, and his eyes were set so that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, How did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken and he died, for the man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant, about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women attending her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. And this is the end of today's portion from the Old Testament book of First Samuel. I think it's appropriate today that we think a bit about the godly mother that Samuel had. I want to list seven qualities found in Hannah that benefited Samuel. Number one, Hannah was a worshiper. Both Hannah and her husband modeled their devotion to God with regular participation in worship. Together they would go up to Shiloh to worship in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 3 and 9. Number two, Hannah loved her husband and was loved by him. This is an important factor in raising godly children. Marriage is designed to reflect the love of the Godhead. In the primitive society in which the judges ruled, Elkanah made the mistake that so many did at that time. He practiced polygamy to raise a household of descendants. This was a practice contrary to God's design for marriage, as we find in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, and it was never condoned by the Lord. In the law, God forbade the adoption of this pagan practice when giving instructions to the kings. 
In Deuteronomy 17, 17, He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Nevertheless, Elkanah loved Hannah and publicly made known that he favored her by giving her a double portion of the take-home food from the sacrifices. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 5. Number 3. Hannah pursued the Lord with passion. Both Elkanah and young Samuel would know what Hannah felt about things. She was that kind of woman. We read about her spiritual sensitivity. She was troubled in spirit, poured out her soul, experienced vexation, and wept bitterly as she prayed. She was deeply distressed. She did not hide her emotions. Number four, Hannah was a woman of prayer. Her prayer is described as an act of pouring out her soul before the Lord. In prayer, she would speak her heart. Number five, Hannah was a woman of faith. She received the blessing that was mediated by Eli, the priest, taking it to heart by faith. She took God at His word. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 18b. Number 6. Hannah was faithful to nurture Samuel to live in the presence of the Lord, that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 22. Number 7. Hannah had a vision for Samuel to become all that God would have him to be. She was willing to sacrifice to prepare him for this. Not only did she nurture him until he was ready to be weaned, but she prepared clothing for him, tailoring a new ephod to accommodate his growth from year to year. The Lord looked upon Hannah with favor. Eli blessed her in prayer. May the Lord give you children. God answered that prayer, and Samuel would have three brothers and two sisters by Hannah, in addition to all the other half-brothers and sisters by Peninnah. Notice the contrast in the parenting practices exhibited by Hannah and Eli. Mark the differences between Hannah's proactive preparation of Samuel with Eli's permissiveness towards his wayward sons. Eli's sons served in the tabernacle but did not know the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 12, the sons selfishly took the portion of the sacrifices that belonged to the Lord, including the fat, to themselves. They were overly familiar with the things of God and had no reverential fear of the Lord. They lived for their own pleasure, seeking to satisfy their lustful appetites. They were seducing and sexually assaulting women who were serving at the tent of meeting. Their misbehavior was known but not addressed. Eli kept hearing these reports without correcting his sons with godly discipline. Eli knew his sons' practice of iniquity, that they were blaspheming God, but he did not restrain them. Chapter 3, verse 13. Eventually, Eli rebukes his sons, but it is too late, and they do not listen. Chapter 2, verse 25. A man of God comes to Eli and holds him accountable for the scorn shown by his sons to the sacrifices and service of the tabernacle. Eli's culpability is evident in that he himself has become fat by eating the choicest parts of the people's sacrifices and turning a blind eye to his son's self-indulgent lifestyle. Chapter 2, verses 27 to 29. This does not mean that the parents are always to blame for the misbehavior of their offspring, but it does emphasize the important responsibility of the parent to set an example of godly living and to bring up their children in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The man of God predicts the downfall of the house of Eli. 
that his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, would die on the same day, and that Eli himself will die under his own unrighteously accrued weight. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 18, there will not be an old man left in his household. The man of God predicts that as the house of Eli is deposed in judgment, God will raise up a faithful priest. This prophecy refers, in an immediate sense, to Samuel, but it is also a messianic prophecy pointing to the eternal priesthood of Christ. But I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul, and I will build him an enduring house, and he will walk before my anointed always. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35. The Lord calls Samuel to serve as a prophet while he is still a young boy. Notice the description of the times as we begin reading chapter 3. Disobedience was rampant in Israel. Eli the priest had fattened himself in the Lord's service and was negligent in the communication of God's word. And Eli was physically blind. The people were spiritually blind. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. This is a great warning for us as disciples of Christ to continue in the Word. Keep listening, keep obeying, keep your eyes on Jesus, and maintain your relationship as a doer of His Word and not a hearer only. Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed Him, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. God's patience with the nation of Israel is evident in the merciful statement, The lamp of God had not yet gone out. This statement also highlights the fact that Eli was neglectful of his priestly duty to keep the lamp of God always burning brightly. This was the command of God in Exodus chapter 27, verse 20. The only light in the holy place of the tabernacle would be that which came from the seven-branched lampstand. Perhaps because of his own blindness, Eli was not aware of the dimness of light in the tabernacle. It is in this nearly extinguished light that God awakens Samuel and tunes the young boy's ear to hear his voice by repeatedly calling him by name. Samuel hears the double appellation in the night. Samuel, Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. This double repetition of the called-out name emphasizes the vehemence and importance of the call. It reminds us of the significant call heard by the Apostle Paul when the risen Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, repeating his name, Saul, Saul, in Acts chapter 9, verse 4. It also reminds us of how the Lord sought to get the attention of Mary's sister and to get her to focus on what was most important, saying, Martha, Martha, in Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Or when Jesus warned Peter of his vulnerability to deception, Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Samuel, out of habit, responds as a servant to his master, mistaking the Lord's voice for Eli's. It is easy to mistake the voice of a man for the voice of God if you have become accustomed to the words of men and are not accustomed to the word of God. Eli gradually recognizes that it must be the Lord calling Samuel, so he instructs Samuel to respond to the Lord's call directly answering him with a yielded heart that says, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. God then speaks to Samuel, informing him of the severe judgment that he is going to bring to punish the house of Eli forever because of the iniquity that he knew 
and that he did not restrain his sons from blaspheming God. At first, Samuel is frightened to tell this news to Eli, but Eli coaxes him to share the word of the Lord. Samuel exhibits the faithfulness of a prophet. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Eli responds with contrite recognition. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. 1 Samuel 3, verse 18. Samuel begins his ministry of the word. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. It is the same with us. The Lord reveals himself to us through his word. Next we read how the Ark of the Covenant is captured. The Philistines defeat the Israelites, 4,000 men dying on the battlefield at Ebenezer, meaning up until now the Lord has helped us. When the Israelites discuss their defeat, they do not ask the Lord for an explanation. Instead, they bring the Ark of the Covenant as their good luck charm. The Israelites cheer the idea with great enthusiasm and thunderous shoutings. The enemy, hearing the noise of the shouting and learning that the Israelites were bringing the Ark with them into battle, become afraid and presume their own doom. However, to their surprise, the Israelites are defeated by the Philistines, with another 30,000 perishing in the battle. The Ark of the Covenant is captured, the sons of Eli are killed. Eli, now 98 years old, when he hears the news, falls over backward from his seat by the side of the gate. He breaks his neck and dies. His daughter-in-law goes into labor when she hears the news of the death of her father-in-law Eli and her husband Phineas. She dies giving birth to a son who is symbolically named to mark this moment in history, Ichabod, meaning the glory of God has departed. And now let's go to the New Testament reading for today in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 24 through 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment, because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. 
and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe to Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And this is the end of our reading from today's New Testament portion in the Gospel of John. John chapter 5 verse 24 is a verse worthy of memorization. These are the words of Jesus, the Son of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Jesus affirms his claim to be the Son of Man spoken of in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. He asserts the astonishing claim of his authority to rescue the faithful, execute judgment, and call all the dead from their tombs to the resurrection unto eternal life or judgment, that is the white throne judgment. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. The Jewish leaders were already seeking to kill him. In John chapter 5, verse 18, Jesus does not back down from his claim of divine authority. He claims to have greater authority than Moses. Not only does Jesus affirm Moses as the author of the Torah, but he also claims that the Torah prophetically speaks of him. He claims to be the chief subject of the Torah and, therefore, the key to its interpretation. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life? It is they that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. John chapter 5, verse 45 and 46. In this statement, Jesus underscores the authority of the books of Moses as the written word of God by which we will be judged. He also shows that the intent of the law is to reveal Christ and our need for him. In this chapter, Jesus is giving clear testimony that he is the one who fulfills the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. Number one, he healed the lame man in John chapter 5 verse 9, fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah 35 6. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy, for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. He affirms his messiahship when he says, For the Father loves his Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. John chapter 5, verse 20. Secondly, he is the Son of Man prophesied in the book of Daniel. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, 
nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus claims to be this Son of Man. Just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave the Son to have life in himself, and he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. John chapter 5, verse 26 and 27. Thirdly, Jesus claims to be Almighty God, having the authority over life and death, as prophesied in Deuteronomy 32:39. See now that I, I am He, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. So Jesus fulfills this prophecy of having authority over life and death by raising the dead, the widow's son, Jairus' daughter, and Lazarus. He proclaims, For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son also gives life to whom he wishes. John chapter 5 verse 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. John chapter 5 verse 25. Rather than recognizing that Jesus fulfilled these clear messianic prophecies, the religious leaders choose to suppress the truth, reject him, and plot to kill him. We will read more tomorrow. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms. Psalm 106 verses 1 through 12. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all His praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry and he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Once again, the psalmist invites us to praise the Lord for his mercies. He cites many examples of Israel's unfaithfulness, and yet God mercifully intervenes. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses, but they rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make known his power. Psalm 106, verses 7 and 8. And the Lord did make his power known by saving them from their foes and destroying their enemies 
so that not one of Pharaoh's pursuing army was left. After seeing these works, God's people believed his words and then sang his praise. Do you remember the song of Moses in Exodus chapter 15? I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. And now let's open the treasure chest of God's wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 30 and 31. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. It is true that a heart established in the peace of God delivers the body from destructive influences of undue stress. It is important that we learn to be content with Christ as the content of our contentment. This is life and health to your spirit, soul, and body. Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, to be given to your own passions, lusts, envy, and discontentment will bring a toll on your body. How a person treats the poor displays their faith in the Creator. Do you believe that every human being is an image-bearer of God, even though that image has been marred by sin? We honor our Creator by respecting their God-given dignity and being gracious and generous to them. Now let's pray. Gracious God, you've called us to life through your word. We believe Jesus' claims and trust his testimony as Son of God and Son of Man. Thank you for giving us ears to hear. We are grateful for all those who have nurtured our spiritual growth and have had a vision to equip us for future ministry. Help us to make disciples who will in turn make more disciples who bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's a wrap-up of our daily reading from the One-Year Bible, and we look forward to continuing our journey tomorrow. Let me say once again how we appreciate being a part of this Bible reading community and the fact that we can encourage one another. You are always welcome to contact us by email at podcast at newlife.org, and we'd love to hear your questions or comments. And if you have any questions about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. So until tomorrow, shalom. May the peace of the Lord be with you.